Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for followers of the profane and night-drenched mysteries of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly, and I'm your host for this evening, Frank. Usually I'm joined by Peter, but he's left me a message, a slightly unclear message, something about uh, clearing up a liquid spirit spillage of some type on some sort of ritual or holy device he has. He's busy with that, whatever that is. So this is just going to be another one of my first impression mini-episodes. The spoiler policy, as I'm sure you all know, is that we're allowed to talk about player cards from the most recently released Mythos pack, and we shy away from talking about encounter cards generally, but we wouldn't talk about the ones from the most recently released pack. And today, I have in my hands Blood on the Altar, the third Mythos pack of Dunwich Legacy Cycle, and it also has a scenario of that name, which is known as Scenario 4, Blood on the Altar. So I'm going to do one of those first look episodes, first impression episodes, where I'm just going to go through the cards. I've not seen any of them, and I've managed to avoid pretty much all the spoilers so far that I've been able to avoid. A point on that, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. I'm not sure I'm going to carry on always trying to avoid spoilers, because I've basically not been on Facebook for nearly a week now, and I've avoided certain channels on the Discord group just to, or sub-channels on the Discord channel, just to try and avoid hearing about cards until I have them in my hands. But I'm not sure if that's necessarily that enjoyable, or I'm not sure if I'm being sort of like a, a spoiler prude or something for not wanting to see them. So I've not really decided if this is what I always want to do, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. I was talking to Peter about it, and I said if this was a TV show, I'd be furious, of course, if someone saw an episode before me and started tweeting about what happens, or, you know, left me a Facebook message that told me what happened, or a photo of something that happened in the episode that sort of gave it away. But seeing player cards from a pack isn't really the same as, you know, finding out the ending of an episode. If people were, uh, you know, sharing on Facebook everything that happens in the scenario itself... I imagine the community would really come down quite hard on that. But for player cards, it's a bit more of a grey area, and I haven't really got to the bottom of how I feel about it. I do know that the excitement I feel about opening the packs is so much more intense, given that I don't know what the cards are. I've been looking forward to this really, you know, quite fiercely, and... I'm looking forward to sharing that with you as well. So there is that at least. There's sort of a that's a weight on the other side of the scales as to whether or not it's worth doing. And if you've always looked at spoilers of player cards and known what you're going to get in every pack before you've got it, why not try one month not looking and seeing what you get when you open it? Because I'm sure there are lots of people who don't look and don't follow it closely, and there's a really nice kind of visceral rush to doing that. So yeah, anyway, definitely not trying to be preachy, definitely not saying this is the right way of doing it. I'm very not sure, but I'm enjoying trying this, this sort of spoiler-free method. So if you don't want to know about player cards in Blood on the Altar, the Mythos pack, stop listening now because that's what I'm about to talk about. If you're happy to find out what I think about them, let's do it. And 
just a note on that. This is really definitely a first impressions cast. I am sure I'll miss things. I'm sure my first reactions won't be all-encompassing and go into the greatest detail about what each card could do. I won't obviously be able to think of every single combination off the top of my head. I just want to check them out, see what I think, and share that with you. If you have a catchy title for these sorts of episodes, like we have esoteric devices for the sort of very single or dual card specific mechanical episodes, if you have one for these, let me know, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com or send me a tweet. I was thinking about working a hunch as a possible title, but that is a card, so it might get confusing. Anyway, let's carry on. What do we what did I know already from the FFG marketing articles. I know about leveled up emergency cash. Two XP gets you to draw a card as well as the money. I know both the Guardian cards, Prepared for the Worst and Keen Eye. And we've talked about Keen Eye on the cast before with its twin, Blood Pact. And Peter and I were fairly sure that in this pack, there's a card for each faction. It's a three XP card, a permanent card, and it's a sort of upgraded talent that allows you to boost a pair of stats, and as we've seen from Keen Eye and Blood Pact, the way that boosting works is not just paying money or not paying one resource for one for plus one. It might be something like placing a Doom or paying two resources for the whole turn, as we've seen on those cards. So I don't know what the Seek one is, I don't know what the Survival one is, and I don't know what the Rogue one is. I know that there's a card called Lone Wolf, because I accidentally saw someone say Lone Wolf, but I don't know what that card is. And my prediction about the Seeker one is it's maybe to do with clues. The Survivor one is maybe to do with discarding cards. And the Rogue one could be to do with actions. Or money. It's a money faction as well. But I really have no idea and I'm really excited to look. So I've got this stack in front of me. Let's do this. I'm, I'm going to go, I think, from the back and then turn to the front. So the back card is level 2 emergency cash. Cost 0. It's an event. It's supply traded. It says you can never be too prepared, which is a lovely motto to have. And it says gain three resources and draw one card. So this reinforces what we've already thought about what you get for your experience. The sort of direct comparison here is the two XP for lucky. When you get the upgraded lucky, it adds this and draw one card clause. So in effect, you're playing an event that also replaces itself. I personally really love cards that replace cards. Any deck that likes to keep a handful of tricks loves being able to play an event that not only gives it money for those tricks, but also fills itself out again. Obviously, there's that risk with cards that draw you cards of Beyond the Veil, or if you've got particularly nasty weaknesses in your deck, drawing into those quickly. But, I mean, I think we're just going to have to get used to the fact that you can get through your deck pretty quickly and I think that that's not too problematic to be honest with you there are very few times where I sort of say gosh I don't want to play this card because it might draw me a card as well you just kind of take that on the chin that's part of being an Arkham player I think so yeah so that's that's that one I think all the other cards are faction cards so I'm going to flip this pile back over okay card number two which is card number one in the pack for the players is Prepared for the worst, it's a one-cost event, intellect and combat icons, it's a tactic, and it says search the top nine cards of your deck for a weapon asset and add it to your hand, shuffle your deck. 
this was one of the ones that was spoiled. I like it. I know that some people have said, you know, why would you run this when you could just run the weapons that you want? And who would ever only run two weapons and two of these when you could just run four? Which is true. And you're obviously paying one extra resource and one extra action to get that weapon when you could just be playing it down yourself. But I like it particularly because we know that there are some really big Guardian weapons coming up and being able to search your deck for that specific weapon, maybe if it's a two-handed weapon or something like that, is really powerful. I also like this possibly in Jenny. She's got two-handed weapon. Yeah, it's a nice option. It would be great if you could play it on someone else as well, to, you know, feeding into that idea that you would play it on Schizo Tool and he would go and fetch his machete or his switchblade or whatever it is. But yeah, I like it. I think it's an an interesting inclusion. And maybe it'd be a case where you run a Guardian deck that only runs three weapons and two of these, and you're looking to upgrade those weapons as you go through the campaign, and you'll still be able to reliably get them because of this. Maybe we'll find that there are other things that you want to run in a in a Guardian deck that this sort of fills out that gap. I can't see a sort of non-combat person really needing this because if they're if they're non-combat, they're probably non-guardian, so it's probably going to take up one of those precious five off-class card slots for them. You know, I'm thinking here of sort of Ashcan Pete or Jim. If either of them are running Fire Axe, do they really want to run this? I'm I'm not convincing myself, as you can probably hear. Okay, moving on. The next card is also a Guardian card. It's Kenai. So we know about this card. It doesn't have a cost because it costs 3 XP. It's an asset that is permanent and it's a talent. It says um, free trigger, spend two resources, you get plus one intellect until the end of the phase. And then another free trigger, spend two resources, you get plus one combat until the end of the phase. I know Peter's a huge fan of this card. I'm a pretty huge fan of this card. I'll definitely miss having the icons in my deck that if I decide that I'm not going to put down the level zero talent and spend money to boost, I can just chuck it for a one-off for two different icons, depending on what the test is. But that's that's a really minor thing, because the power of this definitely comes from it being a permanent and it being in play as soon as you purchase it. The other challenge for this one is Guardian only, so only Zoe Samaras and Roland Banks can take it. And I suppose Zoe generates quite a lot of money from engaging. Yeah, my experience of Roland is that sometimes he can be quite poor, because Guardian allies are quite expensive, Guardian weapons can be expensive. If you're trying to run Dynamite Blast, that's expensive as well. So paying two for a boost, it's only a plus one boost as well can be a little tricky. Maybe it feeds into having that that powerful turn where Roland's hitting already at four, then he's got a machete out for five, he's got a beat cop out for six, and you just pay two resources and he swings for seven for the whole turn. That could be reasonable. Yeah, Kenai, we've known about it a long time, so I don't I don't feel too sort of wowed by it, but I'd really like to see it in action. I do also love the art. I love that he's wearing what looks like almost sort of goggles. But I'm sure it's not meant to be goggles. Okay, next card. First Seeker card. Wowzers. Okay. Um, So this is a two-cost event called Preposterous Sketches. And the art looks like a left-handed man drawing what looks like an elder thing with its sort of stork eyes and wings and strange body. 
It has a willpower icon and an intellect icon. Nice. We like events that have a pairs of icons. It's always handy. And it says, play only if there is a clue on your location. Draw three cards. Hello. Wow. Okay. Cryptic research is a zero cost event, but four experience that says draw three cards. This is a two cost event with the condition that there needs to be a clue, but the same card draw. Wow, that gives Cryptic Research a real run for its money. Is Cryptic Research fast? I think so. Cryptic Research, zero cost, doesn't even take an action and you get three cards. This is two cost, takes an action. You also need a clue on your location and you draw three cards. I suppose you can't play this on other people as well. So it's really seeker-focused. Wow, feeds into that. Um, I like this. My mind is kind of buzzing with all the ideas. It feeds into that uh, seeker archetype of just heavy card draw, laboratory assistant down so that your hand size is big, using those cards to throw to tests and boost other people, boost yourself. If you're playing that in Rex, you're using scavenging to get item cards back and sort of hoovering up clues very efficiently so you can spend actions to do other things. Interesting, really interesting. In solo, maybe a bit harder to use because there are fewer times that there's a clue lying around, but there'll be plenty of times when there are clues. This also could be a really interesting splash for almost anyone who can run it. You know, someone like Roland might really like this because he's going to get the clue later in the turn from killing an enemy, maybe. But also, yeah, anyone who wants card draw can take this and it's not too conditional. Interesting, okay? That is Preposterous Sketches, and here is the Seeker Permanent Talent Asset, 3 XP, Higher Education. Who is this awesome guy with a crow on his shoulder? Okay, so there's a man sort of giving a lecture. Permanent. Okay, wow. While you have five or more cards in your hand, Higher Education gains, and then it has the two free triggers. So you need to have five or more cards in hand. First free trigger, spend a resource, you get plus two willpower for this skill test. Second free trigger, spend a resource, you get plus two intellect for this, this skill test. Ah, that's the other thing I should say. Keen Eye and Blood Pact already suggested to us that the uh, higher XP permanent talents wouldn't boost the same statistics that uh, the lower ones. So physical training is willpower and combat, but Keen Eye is intellect and combat. And the mystic one is... Arcane Studies, which is intellect and willpower, and we know that it's willpower and combat. This, similarly, uh, hyper-awareness boosts agility. This boosts willpower and intellect. You have to have five cards in your hand, so when you start the game, you're good, and it's only one resource for plus two, which feels really good. That is really nice. Combined with preposterous sketches, that's fantastic. If Seekers get a way of drawing cards for passing tests at any point, that's just going to be ludicrous. And everything I just said about keeping your hand full to help other people will become really powerful as well. I suppose it could lead to you getting kind of choked up where you don't want to spend cards because you're saving them so that this is available. Mm, I still think it's that it's really powerful. Set, get a little bit set up. We've anyway sort of starting to learn that the way you play the game is not just spewing all your cards onto the table and hoping for the best. It's being selective about what goes down. 
And wow, that's really good. There's also Wizard Rex. Is he going to become a thing? Maybe. I mean, you could immediately invest in this and not run hyper awareness and not do the kind of rogue Rex. You could do Wizard Rex. And Daisy, of course, would love this as well. She has, you know, access to a bunch of Mystic cards. So, yeah, Spell Slinging Daisy, Wizard, uh, Witch Daisy. Is Witch the opposite of Wizard? Or the, the Wizard Daisy, I'm calling her a Wizard. Cool, I love the art. Seeker art, it's so evocative of sort of universities and study. I love that it's higher education. Wow, nice, nice. When you're chock full of options, it gives you even more options. Okay, great. Moving on. The row, first road card is Lone Wolf. This is the one I knew the name of. It's a one-cost asset. It has an agility icon. It's a talent. No slots. Limit one per investigator. And it has a reaction trigger. When your turn begins, if there are no other investigators at your location, gain one resource. Little flavor text. I don't mind being on my own. That's when I do my best work. Okay, cool. Interesting. Bonus resource. I mean, Jenny would just be swimming in cash with this. Doesn't take a slot. The first turn, it pays itself back, more or less, in terms of the money. Icons aren't great, but assets often don't have as many icons. I love that, as a lone wolf, he's just gone to the bar. That That's what he's done. He's like, guys, we'll split up. You go to the cemetery and you go to the you know wherever else i'm i'll go and check out this very suspicious looking bar that serves great beer uh, interesting or oh, it looks like you're even drinking whiskey amazing in solo just as a put down early and you're you're just going to be swimming in cash you could you could even stop running emergency cash and use this as a way of fueling your resources as long as you don't have to discard it limit one per investigator is a good cap yeah Interesting. The other thing that this is, you know, sparking in my head that makes me think of is that I've been thinking a bit about not necessarily factions that you want in your ideal group of investigators, but the roles that you want those investigators to fill. So if you're playing two player, you want someone who can broadly speaking deal with combat, be a sort of a, a cop, and you want someone definitely who can get clues, a kind of sleuth. But within the, the cop role, that could be Agnes with loads of spells, or that could be maybe even sort of Ash Campete with weapons, or it could be Zoe or Schizotool or whoever else. And then as you go to bigger groups, you probably do want someone who can focus on agility and do things around evasion, maybe with events that play off evasion, and someone like Wendy becomes really powerful because she can take a lot of hits and do quite a lot of shenanigans and when you get to that fourth player you've maybe got some kind of a mystic-y magic person doing their work either as as an investigator as a sleuth or as a cop and you've got the cop and the sleuth whoever it is but what who's the fourth what do they do is that when you go rogue yeah what what are they left doing do you just want someone who's a sort of jim culver who can do anything reliably and you just leave them kind of bimbling around by themselves and lone wolf says yes you do want a lone wolf in your group and you're going to kid them up that they kind of don't mind going off by themselves doing things by themselves i like it i think it's a really strong card i think obviously it depends on the scenario as well if you're playing something like 
uh, Essex County Express, there are very few times when you're going to be in a location by yourself. And that's just because of the nature of that scenario. I have an inkling that as we get to Dunwich, the town itself properly, or the village, we might be able to spread out a bit more and be in all sorts of odd places, in which case this card really starts to sing. Okay, I think I've talked about that long enough. Next card is the Rogue Permanent Talent, and it's called Streetwise. It's an asset, it's 3 XP, it's zero cost, it's a talent, it's permanent. Whoa, wow. I love the art, someone with like a little dagger, a woman that I don't recognise. Okay, two triggers, spend two resources, so same as Keen Eye, you get plus three intellect for this skill test, and spend two resources, you get plus three agility. Wow. So hang on, hang on, hang on. Higher education is spend one for two, Keen Eye is spend two for three, but it's only one for each test, and this is spend two for three for a test. So it's really like spiking that success. Oh, how interesting. This one is very strange to me because rogues do have quite a lot of combat ability and I suspected that at some point they wouldn't get cards that boost combat and this is really leaning into the agility side of it and also maybe picking up some of the slack for them about investigating. So Jenny investigates at six with this or evades at six, which is which is great. Skids is at seven uh, agility and six intellect. Pretty cool. I can imagine that Wendy would love this if only she could get it, but it's level three, so it's just for the green investigators. Yeah, wow, cool, interesting. I'm thinking now of a, a Jenny deck that's maybe running Dr. Milan Christopher in its one of its out of faction slots and suddenly become an investigating supremo with this. It's kind of cool. This also suddenly makes me want, if I take this in my Jenny deck, I suddenly want to cycle out all of, you know, whatever I put into boost combat and start bringing in things like backstab and sneak attack and pickpocketing and all the ones that trigger off successful evasion. And you could really go for that. Evade an enemy, investigate, leave a location. Evade an enemy, investigate, leave a location. And just, just play off those two statistics. Okay, wow, really interesting. Let us move on. Oh, the next card is a mystic card and it's a skill. That's interesting. We've seen so few skills so far. Oh, wow, the art is amazing. Who is that Mumba Jahumba? Oh, okay, there's so many cool things about this card. It's a skill card, no experience. It's called Defiance and it has a wild icon. The other skills that we know of with wild icons include double or nothing. That's bananas it's innate traded and uh <laughs> i've got to just my eye immediately went to this the flavor text just says no so sweet okay before revealing chaos tokens for this test choose one of the following symbols skull cultist tablet or elder thing so not auto fail and not auto success but one of the other special tokens ignore the effects of the chosen symbol during this test, including its modifier. Whoa. Okay. Hmm. So if... Wow, you, you can hear I'm kind of stunned. If one of them is... If the hunting horror is not in play, go and fetch the hunting horror and spawn it. That's blanked out. Or... Wow, I'm sort of suddenly blanking on all of the different effects that... I mean, some of them are just 
playing this just to blank the minus four or whatever, just to give you a better chance in the bag, is kind of great. This with ritual candles as well, you're effectively getting a plus two. You start to really mess with the bag's probabilities then. It's really good. Yeah, anything that is also do damage to you or horror to you if you fail the test, really nice to cancel that. Of course, I mean, you've still got to then draw it. So with Grotesque Statue, I guess you could draw a minus four and draw an Elder Thing, and now I'm best case scenarioing it. But yeah, you, you're you slightly gambling that you'll pick that card, and it really needs you to be really sharp on what the different effects are and how they can affect you or not. Thinking again, actually, of Essex County Express and thinking how the skull gets significantly, well, gets steadily more and more difficult, and being able to sort of turn that back into a zero would be really nice. You can also obviously play this skill card on someone else if you want to protect them in some way. That would be nice. And a wild pip is nice. That's an interesting sort of flexible card. We're seeing in the Mystic Pool now more and more cards that toy with the bag and particularly with the special tokens and what they do with them. Wow. And just still drawn to this guy with one hand out saying no. Is he a monk? He looks so cool. Okay. The Mystic experience card is blood pact okay we've talked about this i'll zoom through it the interesting thing is it is not talent treated it's spell and pact treated three xp asset permanence and no cost and it it has two triggers and they both do the same thing one is plus three willpower limit once per test and one is plus three combat limit once per test the way you get that is add one doom to blood pact so In theory, you could put three Doom on this if you're taking three tests in your turn, which is a huge acceleration of what the agenda deck is doing, which means aiming for those witching hour moments, you you have to be really on it with hitting those points, because otherwise you're going to put yourself in such a world of pain. As Peter pointed out to me fairly recently... I think we talked about it in the spells episode. If you play Dark Memory, Agnes's Weakness, and put a Doom on the agenda, it's not just that you're spending an action and two resources to do it. You're also depriving everyone in your party of a round of actions because the agenda is that much quicker. So the cost of a Doom is between three actions if you're playing solo and 12 actions if you're playing in a party of four, which is a hefty cost. It's got to be worthwhile. Is plus three worth it? Would you would you say you can have one doom to take your shriveling attack up to eight or some other thing? Maybe, but yeah. I think it's this one might sit on the table and only get used in a scenario two or three times per scenario, something like that, maybe a little bit more, or build towards that explosive turn where you've got your spells down and ready to use and then you just want your willpower to be almost unstoppable i like it though i can't wait to try it i can't wait to try all of these cards so far yeah and then finally oh <laughs> i was like finally the survivor cards and i just slid blood pact to the right on my pile and saw a skill with three wild icons which is bananas so let's take a look at that Second skill in a pack. This is nice. Rise to the occasion. Oh, it's um, it's Ryan Gosling with a shotgun shooting a Migo, just emptying a Migo thing into his into his chest. It's another innate skill. 
Um, so it has no cost. You obviously have to commit it to test. Plus three, because three wild icons. Commit only to a skill test you are performing. So you can't chuck it to other people. And only if the difficulty of that test is at least two higher than your base skill value. Okay. Wendy is has intellect of three. So she could only commit this to investigate to tests of five or higher. She has a combat of one, so she can commit this to fight with whoever she likes. I suppose it's a fighting card as well. The um, Ashcan Pete is a more interesting example, though, right? Because his, some of his base stats are really low, so his combat is two. So in theory, if he's fighting a four-combat enemy, he could commit this, and then he'd be 5v4. And if he has a fire axe out, he could make that 7v4 or whatever. And uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking Duke modifies the base value, so you'd need to be going up against some really hard tests to do that, to use this rather. What about this in one of the off-faction, out-of-faction out of slots for the Dunwich investigators for any of them that have really low agility? So I'm thinking of Jim Culver or Zoe Samaras. Sometimes you just realise you have to evade because you're up against the retaliate enemy and you're low on health, it's nearly the end, and they both have a piddling agility of two. They might really like to rise to that occasion. That'd be really cool. I mean, if we come up against big enemies in the future with high fight values, this is going to be so, so clutch. Really interesting. So if you don't boost in any other way, Rise to the Occasion just makes go, you go from a minus two to a plus one. On standard difficulty, you really want to go to a plus two to be happy. And if you were going to be minus two anyway, you'd be adding four. So yeah, okay. Yeah, it's nice. It's cool. I like it. And finally, the Survivor 3R. It's called Scrapper. And it's a little guy with little fists. He looks like one of the guys from Hired Muscle. Or the guy from Lone Wolf. Is it the guy from Lone Wolf? Oh, okay, anyway. he. So this is Scrapper. Three experience, asset, permanent talent. Wow. Spend one resource, free trigger. You get plus one combat for the skill test. Spend one resource, you get plus one agility for the skill test. Just a straight up normal booster. Which Pete and Wendy both probably like. Neither of them are that super heavy combat. I guess Ash Campete, as I just described with Fire Axe and other things, might like a bit more combat boost. Wendy's combat is so low that it's unlikely she's going to use it. So they do they both just like this for the agility boost? And do, do you just go heavy evade in Survivor with Peter Sylvester, the big man on campus, and this and anything else that can give you a boost? This is the one I'm probably the least wowed by, but that's just because now I'm tired and I'm finding it hard to think of what I could do with this. Interesting, though. What other... They're the only two... I mean, I guess I guess you like this if you're using Duke to attack. It's an easy way of boosting up. Or is that... Yeah, you can use this. It's not, a, it's not an action indicator, is it? So you can use this to boost your base value, even if your base value has been modified by Duke. Okay, interesting. I'm going to have to like chuck this into an Ash Campete deck and give it a whirl right now and see how it works. Okay, cards done. Then obviously there's emergency cash. There are some other cards with player backs, but they all have the icon of the Blood on the Altar Mythos pack. So I'm guessing they're story assets, so I'm not going to look at them. 
that is the cards. Really interesting pack. Really like it. Really like these permanent assets. I think 3 XP is such an interesting sort of crunch point. It's the same for Relic Hunter. It's the same for Charisma. You almost want in mind that you're going down that permanent route in a, in a campaign. And after scenario one, first 3 XP, boom, you're set up in that way. You're, you're a keen-eyed Zoe or you're a higher educated Daisy or you're Agnes with a blood pact, obviously, because she's such a maniac. Streetwise Jenny, I love the idea of Streetwise Jenny. Streetwise Adaptable Jenny, sweet. And Lone Wolf Jenny, I mean, ah, oh, the temptation to sub that in is so good. And man, now just like looking over the cards again, Preposterous Sketches, that is an insanely cool card. So yeah, there's lots, I love how this has filled out the card pool. I love that there's these XP choices that really are stretching the design space but also stretching us to what do we fit in how do you refine your deck it's not just a case of buying all of the high xp cards now it's really about selectivity and that's really exciting so i hope you've enjoyed this and let me know what you think thank you bye, -bye.